Welcome, I'm Ben Burke, and uh, today for the platform of this podcast, I hope to use my curiosity, diverse sports experience, and big picture mindset to provide you the most uh, unbiased, broad look at the sports world as I possibly can beyond what you see on the court. I'm a second year recreation and sports medicine student at the University of Waterloo. I'm a white male, and uh, ought to consider myself a big picture thinker, as I said. This podcast is titled uh, Cancel Before the Second Episode because... I'm not sure uh, how it would be received, and that's the essence of my topic today, cancel culture. Cancel culture is a pretty recent phenomenon in our society that deeply affects the way that we seek justice today. A way to define cancel culture, as articulated by Dr. Tina Seiko with the Huffington Post, is as an act of public shaming based on something that is perceived or substantiated as a social transgression that hasn't been adequately addressed through traditional channels like the government. Although thought to be recent, cancel culture has always existed. There have always been opposing views on political and societal issues, and there have long been efforts to cancel people based off of actions that were deemed wrong in the past. The development of cancel culture into what we see today can really be attributed to one thing, the internet, specifically social media. With social media, we have the rest of the world at our fingertips, and this is most difficult and impactful for those who are constantly in the spotlight. For example, pro athletes. Today, when people are canceled, the institutions that that person is associated with or surrounded by are forced to drop that person, and the public may boycott the work or opinions. These actions or transgressions aren't usually illegal, but rather vastly considered immoral due to the social norms that institutions have yet to catch up with. Some examples would be racial slurs, sexist remarks, ableism. This is a new way of public shaming that really serves as accountability as an accountability measure for people in the spotlight to watch what they say, do, and share online or in person. Okay, so from this we could say great. Cancel culture pushes society's institutions forward and it forces them to react to the negative actions that might otherwise not formally be addressed. But we also need to consider the negative effects of just canceling everyone that does something wrong. Does cancel culture help us solve these problems or just brush them under the rug? The other question I hope you're asking is, how does this relate to the sports industry? In the sports industry, the more you transition your eyes off the court and to the front office, especially at high level sports, you realize that they are untouchable. They're not a fairy tale land. Sports are really a function of society. So naturally, if society is affected by cancel culture, then sports are affected by cancel culture. And they're often actually at the forefront of it. To dig into this today, I'll be pulling from three different episodes of a podcast called The Curve with Christopher by Dr. Christopher Taylor at the University of Waterloo, uh, who is one of my professors. The first example I want to go to is the institution of hockey and its issues with rape culture and hazing. I could have picked almost any sport, but I picked hockey because it's so entrenched in our culture and identity as Canadians. And it hurts me to say this, but in Canada and even before Canada, settlers on this land started to create and promote a space where they could foster a good Canadian boy to buy into a sport with the dream of going pro that is run by a toxic conveyor belt system. Conveyor belt is a term coined by William Roden in his book, $40 Million Slaves. And it's an institutional result where we have these young boys who start playing hockey without the knowledge of knowing where they're going. And because of the dangerous pedestal that we put them on, especially in Canada, it can lead to literal abuse in power. Phrases like boys be boys, and that's just locker room talk are a slippery slope to contribute to the big picture oppression that we see hockey as an institution is built on and consequently that's why we have to seek justice 
through cancel culture as an additional form. One result of cancel culture is the story of Akeem Malou. Akeem, a Canadian but a Nigerian-born person of color, was an elite hockey talent infamously known for his involvement in a hazing incident in 2005 with the OHL's Windsor Spitfires veterans. According to Garrett Joyce at Sportsnet.ca, these veterans forced four rookies to strip down and lock them into a cramped bus at the back um, at, in a cramped bathroom at the back of the team bus after a preseason game. Akeem refused to participate, and he also wasn't even prepared to suffer in silence. Akeem knew how to stand his ground and rock the boat if necessary, and veteran Steve Downey did not like that. Because of this, Downey reportedly, uh, and others reportedly hazed Alou constantly, spitting um, and asking him to pick it up, referring to him as the eight ball. One practice, Downey went as far as to skate up to Akeem and cross-check him in the face, knocking out seven teeth. Akeem, not willing to succumb to the violence and unacceptable treatment, um, he later fights Steve Downey in practice. This fighting is, of course, what reaches uh, the national press in the form of a video that depicts none of the hazing or, or any of the things uh, in the prior incidents. So I'll be a black rookie fighting a respected white veteran in practice. Cancel culture was going to have a field day with this one. When Alou served his one-game suspension for fighting, he was welcomed back to the crowd with boos in support of the fan favorite Steve Downey, and he was shunned by most of his teammates. Akeem was still a great player, thought of with high regard but by his skill, um, by NHL scouts, and but he was nonetheless passed over from Team Canada multiple times. His draft, his draft stocks fell from a lock of the first-round pick uh, to a significant later round. Um, and this was really for no reason that could be pinpointed from his game or character. Akeem claims the hazing incidents in Windsor turned his career sideways, and his reputation as a player never recovered, just because he stood up for himself. Oppression in hockey followed him to the NHL. Akeem, in 2019, came with allegations against Flames Cats coach Bill Peters for a history of racial slurs that were later substantiated, and Bill Peters was fired, as for, per Frank Cervelli at TSN. Meanwhile, Downey rebounded from his mere five-game suspension and quickly was able to win gold with Canada at the World Juniors. Akeem refused then and continued to refuse to be neutral. He rocked the boat and suffered the wrath of a white institution. I would argue that although cancer culture allowed Akeem's story to break to the public, cancer culture got the wrong guy here. Cancer culture may have had the right intentions, but look at the result we got. Did we show that speaking out on these issues would be received well and result in change? No. I would suggest that our current strategy with cancer culture promotes neutrality by athletes fearing being canceled due to being vocal, and then this would restricts free speech in general. The recent formation of the Hockey Diversity Alliance with Akeem is one of the as one of the founders is a big step for hockey, something that the NHL jumped on and promoted to, for their own benefit due to the social unrest in 2020. But almost unsurprisingly, just months after after a partnership with the NHL had formed, the HDA has already had to pull away due to inaction from the league. A recent press release from the Hockey Diversity Alliance reads: Unfortunately, the support we hoped to receive from the NHL was not delivered, and instead, the NHL focused on performative public relations efforts that seemed aimed at quickly moving past the important conversation needed about race in our game. It is clear the NHL is not prepared to make any measurable commitments to end systemic racism in hockey. Clearly, we have a long way to go. Turning it over to lacrosse, hopefully it's not news to you that lacrosse wasn't created by Canadians and Europeans. Lacrosse is an indigenous spiritual game, properly known as the Creator's Game. In his podcast episode titled The Creator's Game, Dr. Taylor identifies George Beers, thought to be the, modern father, the father of modern lacrosse, who loved the game, so we took it from indigenous people 
and made a spiritual game into a European slash white sport. Across is a pretty example of taking a sport that wasn't ours and as white people, and yet we have managed to push indigenous people out of almost all the power positions in the sport, and this is what William Roden refers to as the jockey syndrome effect. From my big picture view, lacrosse is a serious issue with white supremacy. We, t we took a sport, we thought we could make it better, so we changed it, and we now created a sport that benefits us and is not accommodating to his real creators. Instead, we appropriate their culture, not just in the sport itself, but also in how we present it. And the big topics in cancel culture today with sport is the renaming of politically incorrect mascots, um, jerseys, and team names. Lacrosse is an absolute goldmine for this, with completely white teams being named things like the Chiefs, the Mohawks, Tomahawks, with inaccurate depictions of indigenous people on the jerseys. If you strip down these two institutions, these two situations, they are both battles by cancel culture to try and accomplish inherently good things, but painting the wrong picture and focusing on the wrong narratives. Cancel culture may look helpful, but if you just, but before you go after someone online, think about what you actually want to accomplish. Do you want to just react to the issue and then sweep it under the rug, or do you actually want to prevent it? In another podcast episode, Dr. Taylor with Sean Wildley this time, identify a large issue of access in sports institutions um, like the MLSC or NHL and the faces behind them. Today, when organizations run into controversy, they are too afraid to address it um, and hurt the image of their team. And reporters are too afraid to ask tough questions because they might get canceled or lose their jobs. Increased access to media has actually reduced their access to the truth. And that is where we're at with cancel culture today. We have built up so much fear that everything is on the record that we end up with nothing on the record. Think about preventing injustice instead of just reacting. Reaction without action just repeats. We need to understand that there isn't always a good guy and a bad guy. The world is gray. Sports are no different. So how do we navigate it? Take a step back. Leave your bias at home and just see the bigger picture and the intersectionality of sport with society.